every time we come in this place. May our, may our prayer be, Lord, fall on us. Fall on us. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Way beyond just another religious exercise, way beyond just another church service, way beyond a song singing, turning through pages in our Bible, Lord, will you pour out your spirit upon us? If we didn't believe that he had been raised from the dead, that he was alive, and that he is in this room, it wouldn't make any sense to pray such a prayer as that. But he's not still in Mary's lap. He's not still nailed to a cross. He's not still dead and in the tomb. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And he is with us and in this room today. Now, now there's further understanding that we are to gain as we grow in our walk with him and our relationship with him. And that's what I want to spend a little time on this morning. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? We need to understand First of all, who the Holy Spirit is. And that name sometimes is, is a little bit distant sounding for us. Um, the Apostle Paul wanted to make sure that the folks he was writing to understood who the Holy Spirit is. And so this is how he put it. The Lord is the Spirit. Whenever he would mention the word Lord, it was, it was all, most of the time when he wrote, it was connected with the Lord Jesus Christ. It was synonymous with Jesus. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, he says, meaning the Holy Spirit is the invisible presence of Jesus himself. So we don't need to um, worry about that or get confused by that. Paul just made it very clear. The Lord is the Spirit. The Spirit is the Lord Jesus. The Spirit is the invisible presence of the Lord Jesus. And there was much made about this matter of how important it would be for followers of Jesus to be filled with his spirit. I, I want to show you something that's just kind of a little analogy, picture. This is you. This is me. We have been created. We have been designed been designed for a purpose, and in this case, the purpose is to drill, to tighten, 
or to fasten. Been created to do that, designed to do that. The enemy comes along, this is you, this is me. The enemy comes along and Jesus says, here's what the enemy will do. He will steal, he will kill, and he will destroy. That's how you'll know the tracks of Satan. He knows how to steal. He knows how to kill, knows how to bring destruction. So, so this, this, is, this is you or me, this is us created, created, designed for a specific purpose with amazing potential. The enemy comes and he, and he steals us and he takes us where he wants us to be. And he hides us in his place of keeping his stuff, his things. But then all of a sudden, lo and behold, Jesus enters the picture. And he says, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. The enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to seek and to save what was lost. But I have come you might have life. Okay. Jesus would go on to say, find, find John chapter 15, if you will. The gospel of John chapter 15. He says to followers of him, he says to those who want him, who desire him, who are willing to commit their lives to him as their Savior and as their Lord. Here is, here is what he says in verse 4, John 15, verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit, is not able to bear fruit of itself, Unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And then he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, he who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The important thing for us to get a handle on, folks, is how much of nothing do we understand? He says, apart from me, apart from me, you, you can do nothing. You get your trigger pulled, you get aimed in the right direction, but you can't do anything apart from me. Our men, a good group of our guys, are down at, at the ranch in South Texas where we, we go, and this is our wilderness weekend. They're finishing up with their time together this morning. I was with them through until yesterday evening and going over this with, with some of our guys because I just I don't feel like there's anything more important to know beyond the message that Jesus died on the cross to rescue us from Satan to deliver us from our sins. But there is more than that. 
Otherwise, why would there be all of this talk? And we'll look at some of these places in the Gospels, in the teaching of Jesus, in the writings of Paul, where there is the instruction, you pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Something different than something past being redeemed, being delivered, being being rescued from our old life and brought into a new life in Christ. There's going to be a further and a more and a beyond relationship with the God who saved you and rescued you that's going to come as a result of you coming to know what it's like to have his power flow through you. You, you see, we, we, get, we get rescued, we get rescued, and we're brought over here into the light, and we're, we've, been, we've been cleaned up, we've been blown off, We've been, we've been wiped off, and, and, and we are a trophy of the grace of God. Can I get a witness? We are a trophy of God's redeeming grace. But why did Jesus say to the ones who had been redeemed by his grace, they saw him die on the cross, they knew he went to the tomb, they knew he was raised from the dead, But why did he say to them, but you shall receive power? You, you redeemed, you you redeemed, you rescued, you, you delivered, you born again. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of himself has come upon you. And the result of that is going to be, you you are going to be my witnesses. Not just that you you go through the historical facts of my life and, and recount some of my teachings. You are going to be actually and literally from the inside out, eyewitnesses of my power in your life. You are going to testify to whoever will listen here and far away of what I've done by my spirit inside you. And it doesn't do any good for you to head off on some mission trip and go to the far side of nowhere if you don't have any power. That's what he said, folks. That's what he said. He didn't give them a plan and say, go execute the plan. He said, here's a plan, but you wait. You wait for that. You wait. Trophy of grace. Redeemed, rescued, washed in the blood. A trophy of grace. You wait for that. You wait to be filled with my... Now, the amazing thing is that lots of times there's no real distance between the time that somebody gets redeemed, rescued, and that they also are filled with the Spirit of the living Christ. Sometimes that happens simultaneously. Sometimes it may be just a few weeks. I read the Scripture and see this. Lord, I I see that you want to fill me. You save me. Lord, save me. We get that prayer down. Lord, save me. Here's the other one. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. 
It, it, is, it is as essential as the first prayer in order for us to be equipped and empowered and have a heart for the rest of our lives on this earth. You can't spend all your time looking back at just what Jesus did for you on the cross. That's a great thing. We need to do that. We need to remember what he did for us. But he saved us, he rescued us so that he could empower us with himself. And so he says, apart from me, you can't do anything. Apart from me, the fruit that you want to bear, that you ought to bear, you're designed to bear, it won't happen if you're disconnected from me. That's not talking about being lost and going to to a devil's hell because they've never repented. He's speaking that to believers. You're a part of the vine. You're, you're, You're connected with me. But the important, is that you, important thing is that you understand how vital it is that you remain in connection, that you remain empowered by me. Okay, so fine, fine. we looked at, looked at John chapter 15. Go to Luke chapter 11, if you will, please. Luke chapter 11. This is, this is, this is a universal promise, prayer promise. The Lord says anyone, anyone who steps into this promise, claims this promise, holds on to this promise, he guarantees that the prayer will be answered. We find in beginning Luke chapter 11 verse 9, and I say to you, ask, and that, the tense of that as we're familiar Ask and keep asking and keep asking and keep asking and keep asking and keep. How long do we ask, Pastor, until you get what you've asked for? Okay? And then he said, continues on, seek and you shall find. Seek and keep seeking. Now that's look for it. Turn over, turn over every stone. Keep looking, keep pursuing, keep seeking, keep launching the search. Keep seeking and you shall find. Knock, keep knocking on an unopened door. The door hadn't opened yet. That's why you keep knocking, and it shall be open to you. Look at verse 10. Look at the word. For everyone, everyone. Who, who isn't included in everyone? For everyone who does these things, who asks, will receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, it shall be opened. Then he goes further, you know, suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he's asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then being evil, evil in comparison to the goodness of God, if you earthly parents, earthly fathers then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, who are asking him? How much more? How much more? The idea being a far greater gift than any earthly parent could ever give to a child. The best that the Father in heaven is capable of giving. He promises to everyone 
who will ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking and knock and keep on knocking. He promises to give, to give, to give. I've just got to ask you to open your brain. Some of you who have been around the theological treatment of some of these verses since you were in the cradle, there's got to be a stretch. There's got to be an opening. What does it mean for the Lord, for the Father, to give to us his spirit? Uh, we've, we have, we, uh, to me, my conclusion is we, we, have, we have mistaken what the Lord has intended what is meant, because we want to try to calm down God. We want to try to get the Lord to behave himself and not be too radical and not put us in a place that might be a little bit edgy, maybe even a little bit embarrassment. So, so we say, well, it was the Lord who saved me by his spirit. I'm a part of the family. I've confessed him as Savior and Lord. And that's it. That, that, that's, that's what it means to receive the Spirit in power. The only problem with that, folks, the only problem with that is that there is a massive difference between Christians today who would opt that theology and the believers, the followers of Jesus in the book of Acts and your Bible. What's the difference? What's the difference? I'm just telling you. The difference is a lack of, shortage of, even absence of power. Power. But you shall receive power. Heaven's power. God's power. Not, not personality power. But some kind of power from another world from another place that is beyond anything that this world can manufacture. Cumulatively, collectively, socially, it's beyond anything this world. But you shall, you who? You washed in the blood. You born again. You followers of Jesus. That's the group in Acts, Acts 1 that he was speaking these words to. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and the result is you will be witnesses of me wherever I send you, wherever you go. You tie that back in with Luke 11. The Lord invites us. You, you ask, and you keep on asking. Then he says, ask for what? Ask for what? He answers that. You ask for the Holy Spirit to be given to you. In power, ask and you shall receive. Seek, you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. I'm reminded of the story of Oswald Chambers, the young Christian who spent the bulk of his adult life, which were not many years, in the hospital settings of northern Africa following World War I. He died there. He never wrote a book himself. He, he did teachings, and his wife eventually transcribed 
the messages that he spoke and they were put into book form and the one that has been the most lasting, the most popular has been the devotional book called My Utmost for His Highest, young 40-year-old Oswald Chambers. When he died from a condition that he contracted in northern Africa in his stomach and he died and they buried him, this verse Luke eleven thirteen, had had such a profound impact on that young man's life. When he discovered it, when he started asking God to do it in his life, that they chose Luke eleven thirteen to be etched on the granite tombstone where he was buried. This changed his life. I want to give you a six-word prayer that has the potential to change your life as a Christian. Here it is. Lord, Lord, fill me with your spirit. The ones that will hear that and say, I don't see what the big deal of that is. I don't know. Here's what's going on. If that's your you're not, really, you're not really going through a lot in your life. Things are pretty much smooth for you. Or the things going on around you haven't, haven't grabbed your heart to the place of breaking your heart or crushing your heart. But to the ones who are going through those storms that we sang about and sang through and testified of, the ones who know where you're weak, the ones who or living out the place. It would, if I could change this, if I could stop this, if I could start this, if I could fix this, I would have already done it. But the reason I'm in this mess, the reason I'm hurting, the reason I'm sad, the reason I fight with hopelessness is because I can't do it. I can't do it. The awesome news is the term filling presupposes an emptiness. He fills what's empty. He fills what's short in. And where I can and you can recognize before the Lord that, God, I can't do this. I can't fix this. I can't stop this. I can't change this. I can't make this happen. That is the exact spot where the Lord would desire to take your emptiness your emptiness, pulling that trigger and there's nothing happening on this, on this driver, on this drill. There's nothing. You know it ought to do, it ought to do, it ought to do. It's just not doing it. You're wide open to that right there. You're wide open to that right there. But the ones that don't really have a lot that's messing with them, that's really destroying You're not really sure, well, if I just had another shot at it, I can fix this myself. Just let me read another manual. Give me, let me take some more pills. I'll get through this. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Standing in your place of weakness, Standing in the middle of I can't do this. 
to lift up your voice to the one who has said, if anybody will ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, I will give to them the Spirit. Okay, so what, is, what does that mean? What does that mean? If I find Galatians chapter 5, if you would. Galatians chapter 5. The verses from about verse 19 down through 21 describe what life is like when it's just the flesh, the old person still alive and operative in the life of a believer. These words were written to believers. And so he just says that the deeds of the flesh are evident, and he lists them, immorality, impurity, sensuality, so forth. But then you get down in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, that which the Spirit grows, that which the Spirit produces, it's not native to the host, not native to the host where the Spirit is living now, where the Spirit is active now. This This is something different. This is something beyond what the host would be able to produce. What is it? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now we read that sometimes, folks, and we think, okay, those are all of the characteristics that I'm supposed to have. As if by inviting Jesus into my heart, by by becoming a part of the church, by changing friends and getting a better atmosphere, more wholesome atmosphere, somehow these things are just going to naturally start being what I'm able to do. The problem with that is Paul has just listed what you and I by ourselves are capable of producing. And it's all of this other stuff, outbursts of anger, sensuality, impurity, immorality, all of those things. But then he says, Here's the difference. Here's the change. Here's the contrast. The old man still alive in you will keep on trying to produce these other things, but the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus inside you, He will generate these things in your life, into your life, and they will begin to flow out from your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So so where in your life, where in your world right now, Is there a shortage of patience? Where where is there something that is beyond your ability to self-control? Where where is there in your life somebody or some situation where it is tough to love them? The condemnation, you can come back on the believer. We realize we're supposed to love. We realize we're supposed to patiently forgive and deal with and and that we we shouldn't be having these these things that we give into and the lack of self-control that leave us feeling dirty, that leave us feeling condemned. Where does the power come from to stop doing what you know you need to stop doing? Where does the power come from to love somebody who is the hardest person you know to love? Here's the point. It's the fruit of the Spirit. 
It's not God saying, you better love, you better love, you better love. You just work this love up or you just work this self-control up. You better, you better do it. Here's the bar. You better jump over. You got three tries. If you miss it, you're out. He knows that you and I are weak. He knows we're weaker than lots of times we're willing to admit that we're weak. So he says, ask me for my spirit. Ask me for my spirit to be given to you. Ask me for my spirit in power so that you will be empowered with strength that you don't natively, naturally have, and I know you don't have it, therefore I'm promising to you my spirit if you'll ask me for it. It has the ability to generate love, to generate a sense of joy supernaturally when there would seem to be no reason to be joyful. But it's an expression of that our trust is steady, that we're trusting in him, we're relying on him, we're looking to him. He's got it, and we're good with that. And so the joy, peace, patience. You look at somebody, you just need to be more patient. You just need to be more patient. You just need to be more kind. Well, it, you know, again, the truth is, don't tell me something I don't know. Tell me something I don't know. I already know that. But the issue is not that I don't know what to do. The issue is being able to do it. Jesus called the spirit of himself. My, I will leave. My spirit will return. I'll not leave you as orphans. It'll be better for you that I go away and send the spirit than if I stay right here with you. And one of the names Jesus gave him, was the helper, the helper, the helper. <laughs> you know, I had, had a couple of guys that were in the group, and they're they builders and, and, you know, experts on tools and stuff. And so I called them up. I handed them this, this driver, stuck this, something like this in there, a drill, drill bit for wood, and I handed it, I handed it to both of them. And I handed him, just stuck a piece of wood out there. And I said, I want, you to drill, I want you to drill a hole in this board. Well, they obviously noticed immediately that something was missing. And they looked at each other, looked back at me and said, we can't do it, but we'll tell you how the Aggies would do it. <laughs> so they cocked it like that and started spinning the drill. <laughs> They tried that four or five times, and it didn't get very far. Then they took the board and started spinning the board. And bottom line, I can't do it. I can't do it. And one of the things, one of the statements that is so incredibly hard for men to ever say, <laughs> I asked these two guys to repeat it out loud with the rest of the men saying, listening, I can't do it. I can't do it. it. Everything is ready. Everything is ready to go. I mean, it, it, it's, it's ready. It just, it just has no power. How much of this is you? Spinning the wood, spinning the drill, spinning the wood, Grunting, straining, feeling condemned because I can't do it. I can't. But what if, what if the good news today is? I hope there's a warranty on that thing. 
What, what, what if the good news today is the Lord knows you can't? And the Lord is not expecting you on your own to muscle up whatever it takes to get the job done. He understands our limits. And that's why he said, ask me. And I will set in power, in power, my spirit inside you. Can you imagine that? If we, if we really were able to grasp that, is there any situation that is beyond the power of Jesus to control? If, if, is there any conflict that is so difficult that it would cause him to back away in fear? What if it literally and actually were true that he desires to drench us to saturate every spiritual molecule in our body with his own presence. But here's the deal. Okay, so I, I ought to have that. I ought to have that. I ought to have that. Then check your behavior. That, that's the deal. It's not this theoretical stuff. And that, that's the problem with the American church. We've got way too much knowledge and very little experiential acts power. So, so, I, so, so I, I know all this stuff, and therefore I think because I know it, I'm doing it. No. No. Lord, I know it. I know what you've called me to do. I know what I even want to do. But I can't. What amazing step of spiritual maturity it is to be able to say from your toenails up. I can't do it. I can't do it. It doesn't mean that you resign to never look for something better, to never, to never ask for something more. It just means the reality, I'm bankrupt, Lord. I can try for a couple of weeks or a day or an hour, but I can't do it. Fill me. Lord, fill me with your spirit. I don't need any more of me. That's my problem. It's too much of my spirit. I need your spirit to fill me. Now, next week, we're going to spend a little time on what does that look like? when he fills us with his spirit. What, what, what does that look like? You're going to be surprised at some of the answers because in, in, in some cases we have just written off this thing of being filled with the spirit of Jesus because it has been characterized, stereotyped in certain terms that, that we can see the phoniness in or the fake in or the baloney in and so we're thinking, well, that's what it is. Then I don't want that. amazing thing, just briefly, the amazing thing about evidences of being filled with the Spirit coming from the book of Acts specifically is that it's not always the same evidence. You are drawing the circle too tight to say it always has to be this sign, this wonder, this thing, or you haven't been filled. Read the book of Acts carefully again. It's, it's because... 
It's because he is God and we are not. And he wants us to keep looking to him and keep trusting him. And he knows what you need. He knows how his power needs to be manifested in your life in order for you to know that it's him. And for the job to be accomplished that he's got you in the middle of and is entrusting you to trust him to get done. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me with your spirit. I told the men yesterday when we finished our time and we were sitting kind of in an open air area and I I said, guys, I want you to pick up your chair and go find you a place. I want you to stay there. The appointed time was about 20, 25 minutes by yourself. Turn your phone off. I don't want to see you getting up and going and talking to some other human out there. Don't anybody say after five minutes, I'm done. I fussed at them. I said, you, you plant your behind in that chair and don't talk to another soul except this way until the time's up. And you ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit. Not in some point out in the future, but right in the place today where the need is the greatest, where you, you're quickly able to admit, I can't do it. Stand there. Stand in the middle of that. Turn your heart up to heaven and just ask and keep asking, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Just to show you how the devil will do everything in his power to keep you from praying that prayer. Folks, here's the deal. The devil... The devil doesn't worry about you if that's you. Trophy of grace, love Jesus, just no power. Just no power. He's already lost you. The devil's already lost you, but he's not worried about you. He starts worrying. So, so he'll do whatever he can try to do to distract us from praying that specific prayer. He's not worried about powerless, born-again Christians. But what he is worried about are the ones who are realizing, this is Jesus inside my chest. I, I, I don't know. I'm not responsible for this. I'm going with it. And then the devil just, he can't handle that. Case in point. Just finished our time, sent the men out. And remember I had said, I don't want you speaking to another human. <laughs> a guy pulled up in a pickup truck, parked alongside a fence, and there was a, there was a cactus growing, a big cactus bush growing in the fence line. And we hadn't been more than 20 yards away from that spot while we were all we were doing our time together. <laughs> so everybody's scattering and I look over at this guy who gets out of his pickup truck, and he's going, waving at me, and then starts doing this. And I walk over there, and moving around, and eventually called up, ready to cock, and was about a four-foot rattlesnake. Now, we're not in the zoo, you understand? This, this, is, this is a live Texas native snake. Well, you know, I knew that if I went, hey, snake, we would have lost all hope of praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
So I just said, we'll get him later. The guys went on, they prayed, and then one of the game wardens who was a part of our group went in his game warden truck and pulled out a snake catcher and went over and caught the snake. Pulled the thing. Some, several of the guys had never even seen a live rattlesnake ever. So it was, it was a big deal. But the bigger deal would have been if that had been a distraction. Do you hear me? A distraction to a lesser thing of interest that would keep us away from saying, Lord, it's, it's here. I want it here. You, you said it in Luke 11. You said it in Acts 1.8. You said it in Ephesians 5.18. You said it here. I ask you to do it here. Fill me with your spirit. Some of us have been living in the place of powerlessness for so long that that's all we think we get when we get Jesus. Just maybe a different vocabulary, a different group of friends. Just but, You know, that's it. I'm, I'm clean. I smell better. I don't look like I did. I'm better. But, but what, if, what, if, what if the reason that the Lord did that, the reason that the Lord rescued us is because he has designs for your life and a dimension of living that will only be known, a dimension of greatness, a dimension of, of contribution that will only happen when you understand what it is to be filled with his spirit. Not just rescued, not just redeemed, you know, not just got a Bible now, all of which is good. But Lord, I want to know your power. As a husband, as a husband, I ask you to fill me with your spirit, Lord, so I can love my wife. And a wife, Lord, fill me with your spirit so I can be the wife to that man. We, we all have challenges in those settings. Yes, we do. Children, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Because I, I don't know what to do with this one. <laughs> you know? Fill me with your spirit. Give me your heart. Give me your heart for this child. Give me your heart for this employee. Had a guy on the tree. He's he's a he's a, a designer of, of of pool, but they're not really pools. He calls them lagoons, and it, it's like a it, it's like a swimming pool, but you can swim with your fish. How about that? I mean, you know, so it can't. It's got to be fresh water. Can't be too saline. All those kind of things. And the guy he he and he, that's his business. But he said he said pastor. I believe this is something that the Lord's given me the ability to do. I can look at a stack of rocks and I can see how those rocks could be put together and fitted and how that could be worked in a grade such that water would come and waterfalls come down here and be in a pool down here. And the most amazing thing, he's building those things all over the place. But he feels like it's an evidence of the Lord at work inside him. You, you know, you, you, don't, you, you, don't, you don't necessarily know where the one who has the, who has the crow on your life, 
where he's going to stick there, where he's going to put you. Paul says, I can do all things. Well, that, that means that, you know, that this was a drill, but to all things, you might, he might need to screw a nut on the end of a bolt. So he changed that out. And then you may need to, Philip's head, you need to, they may to do something drywall, and he made to do that. But all of that, all of that is possible. Why? Because there's power. If there's no power, all the stuff you could be, you know, and all the things that this instrument is capable of would never come to daylight. Lord, fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Abiding in him means staying connected with him. Amen. You know, somebody can only describe something. But you have to step into the promise. Somebody can't do this for you. What part of nothing will you own? Apart from you, I can't do anything. And then when we see that and we realize that, to just run right into Luke eleven thirteen, and Acts 1, 8, and Ephesians 5, 18, Lord, I ask you to fill me with your spirit. You see, it will say, we'll come back next week to some, how are we going to know? What's that going to look like? What is being filled with the spirit feel like? And I'm going to tell you, some of you are going to be shocked and wonderfully surprised that you may have known seasons of being filled with the Spirit and you didn't know what to call it. But that's what was going on. And we'll look a little closer at that, a little further at that. Six-word prayer. Lord, fill me with your spirit. How many times do I need to pray that, pastor, till it happens to you? Till it happens to you. Till it happens to you. Till you begin to sense in the place of weakness, there is rising up another kind of strength. And it's so foreign to you that you're going to know it couldn't be you. It has to be God. You keep asking You keep seeking, you keep knocking until the Lord does that. How am I going to know? Because the very place that you've been weak, the very place that you didn't have any ability to fix or stop is going to be the sense of another kind of strength. And it will be the strength of Jesus rising up in you given you what you know you've never had before. Okay? So so we're saved. We're saved by his grace. Trophy of his grace. Clean, going to heaven, seat at the Father's table. But the Lord has more for us than just being a dust collecting trophy of grace. That's what this is. Well, all right. That's it today. <laughs>
I needed, I've needed something to help me visualize John 15 and what abiding was all about. I needed something to help visualize what it means for the Spirit to come in power. And that's a good picture. It's not like a, you know, the battery on a car. Why didn't you do a car without a battery? Because it's not completely battery powered, at least the old school kinds of cars. Battery does something to get some fire going and the gas starts burning, so then the gas drives the car. Well, this driver is all battery or nothing. It's all Jesus or nothing. Lord, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your patience. I thank you for the, the clear, inviting instruction in your word. Just almost as if you're daring us. Almost as if you're saying, I just, I just dare you to ask me to give you what you know you don't have. To ask me to fill you, to fill you with my spirit, with my presence, such that I take over. I'm in charge. I take over. Thank you, Lord. Please, please give us open hearts. Please give us willing, willing hearts. Put faith in us to believe, Lord, that your, your word is true. What you say, you will do. Speak that Luke eleven thirteen, Lord, please speak that to our spirits. And that will evoke faith to cry out. So we ask you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.